This is a beautiful world. There's an incredible place in Alaska called the Tongass National Forest. At 16.7 million acres, it's the largest national forest in the United States. It's a critical habitat to innumerable species of wildlife and ecosystems, including one of the world's last intact temperate rainforests, which plays a crucial role in fighting climate change. The Tongass is really our flagship national forest. In many ways, all Americans have an important stake in what happens here. That's Ken Raitt. He's in Portland, Oregon. He's a project director of the U.S. Public Lands and Rivers Conservation Program at the Pew Charitable Trust. The Tongass is, is a place where there are thousand-year-old uh, spruce, western hemlock, and red cedar. The forest um, produces more salmon than all other national forests combined. Um, it's the birthplace of one quarter of the wild salmon that populate the West Coast and 80% of the salmon caught in Southeast Alaska each year come from uh, the Tongass National Forest. Commercial fishing on the Tongass supports 10% of the regional employment earnings. That's about 13,500 individuals. You know, something I think we need to think about that's quite important on the Tongass is that the pristine nature of the lands are integral to and inseparable from the culture and subsistence of local tribal entities. One of the things that makes the Tongass so special is the vast expanses of wilderness that have no roads. Roads are, are really a double-edged sword. Uh, on one hand, they do provide access um, for the public. Uh, they also provide access for commercial activities that uh, in many cases destroy the nature of the lands. The What we saw happening throughout the 1980s and 90s and the, in the decades that led up to the roadless rule were uh, vast clear cuts across our national forest lands. I think people mostly think of national forest lands as being akin to national parks, but in fact, they're really not. They're used for a wide variety of, um, of commercial activities, including uh, mining and logging uh, and energy development. And these kinds of activities can have a, a significant adverse impact on wildlife habitat, recreational opportunities, and watersheds that provide clean drinking water for, uh, for Americans coast to coast. Tongass has been protected for the past two decades by something called the roadless policy, or the roadless rule, which was put into place by the United States Forest Service, which itself was created during the Teddy Roosevelt era because of uncontrolled logging, grazing, and mining. Yeah, I, I think it was um, pretty much the Wild West, uh, you know, as we, as we perceive that. Jim Furnish is a retired deputy chief with the U.S. Forest Service and recalls the dangerous days before the U.S. Forest Service existed. There was unfettered uh, abuse of the public lands, and I think people finally said, hey, we've had a, a belly full of that, and there's, there's got to be a better way of uh, taking care of these public lands. So the National Forests and the Forest Service were born in the early 1900s, the conservation movement sought to arrest all of that and, uh, and actually create a template of public lands that, that might be managed for the public good. Uh, they had a vision for the practice of conservation, and so Teddy Roosevelt and his first chief of the Forest Service, Gifford Pinchot, set about creating the, the network of national forests that has grown and grown 
to today where national forests um, occupy about 9% of the United States. And along with other public lands like national parks and refuges, fully one-third of the United States is now public land. One-third of the United States, or about 192 million acres. The Forest Service has grown and changed over the years. Jim Furnish remembers one moment in particular. When I was working in Corvallis, Oregon, uh, as supervisor of the Sayusla National Forest, which would be similar to the Superior, and it was on the Pacific Ocean, a coastal forest, uh, tremendous huge trees, very important uh, part of the logging history of the Pacific Northwest during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, and then when the owl uh, crisis hit, everything shut down, uh, but we still had this legacy on the landscape of, um, you could see 30, 40 years of activity where they were just clear-cutting their way through the forest. We had a huge winter storm uh, that dumped a very intense rainfall over a period of a couple days on the Oregon coast. And uh, we had road washouts and landslides everywhere. And I remember right after the storm passed, the skies opened up beautiful blue and I got in an airplane at the Corvallis airport and I took a quick flyover of the coast range. And I remember being struck the image of major rivers that were belching out these big brown ribbons of muddy water out into the blue Pacific. Um, and it was quite a stunning scene, almost, you know, like the, where the blue and the white Nile meet. And, um, and I remember looking down at that landscape, thinking that the Forest Service was responsible for a lot of that brown in the water because of all the logging and roads and that kind of thing that we had done. And the, and the, and the landscape was signaling red uh, to me that uh, we, we had a... Uh, a history to deal with, to rectify, uh, and it was uh, it was really on shortly after that um, plane flight that we really set about to reform uh, the timber management on the Sayusla National Forest, and we swore off clear cutting uh, big trees anymore. Most states have national forests and public land that have been protected by the roadless rule, which restricts access to pristine wilderness. I think some numbers that might astound people is it about. 60% of the U.S. population drinking water uh, emanates from national forest lands at some point. Um, so it has huge value for, uh, you know, water, clean water. Um, you know, habitat for dozens and dozens of endangered species, such as the California condor, um, grizzly bears, other characteristic and charismatic species. Jim Furnish testified last week on Capitol Hill because the Trump administration is seeking to overturn the roadless rule in the Tongass National Forest. He presented his argument for keeping pristine areas of the Tongass road-free, something Ken Rate also believes is critical to maintaining healthy forests, ecosystems, and water sources. You know, something I think we need to think about that's quite important on the Tongass is that the pristine nature of the lands are integral to and inseparable from the culture and subsistence of local tribal entities, which has led six tribes uh, to, who, who have lived on these lands and used these lands for millennia to write to the Secretary of Agriculture encouraging that no changes be made to the roadless rule. 40% uh, 
of the intact forest across our entire national forest system is in the Tongass. And intact forest is basically a haven for biological diversity that is free from fragmentation. And so it's actually a place where nature can, can exist um, in a way that it has existed and evolved for, for millennia. And there are so few places uh, left where we actually can see these natural processes operate. And so um, protection of the roadless rule is the best way to ensure that we maintain uh, that intact forest landscape on the Tongass. Rate says logging in the Tongass is a concern for roadless wilderness everywhere. There's a concern that if the roadless rule is lifted at Tongass, the largest national forest in America, this could leave forests across the country vulnerable. There's very much a concern that this could open a floodgate of states seeking exemptions. Uh, and in states like Minnesota, there's about 2.8 million acres of forest lands in the Superior and Chippewa National Forests, and about 62,000 acres of that are inventoried roadless areas. These places are actually quite important um, for watersheds, for uh, habitat, and for recreation uh, by Minnesotans. And so, um, and so there is a concern that if the Forest Service goes forward and provides a full exemption, um, on the Tongass that other states will follow suit. Right now, the Forest Service is in the middle of writing an environmental impact statement in order to consider the Alaska petition. They've released a draft environmental impact statement, and the agency is accepting public comments until December 17th. The Forest Service expects to issue a final decision um, sometime next summer. And the concern we have is that industrial, industrial development could significantly undermine these values that make the Tongass uh, so important to Alaskans and Americans. Anyone interested in joining the debate can leave a public comment on the United States Forest Service website. Jim Furnish believes our nation's roadless wilderness needs to be protected, not only for the economical, social, and environmental reasons, but because these spaces feed our spirits, too. I do think forests speak to our spirit, you know, and I just got done finished reading a New York Times bestseller called The Overstory, uh, which was about the, the great conflicts over forests and what they mean to society and, and the conflicts that in, ensue over who, who has the right to use them for what reasons and, and that type of thing. Um, but I, I think ultimately uh, forests are more, most important uh, spiritually, you know, in, in terms of the, uh, the land, the earth uh, that we inhabit and, and, and what it speaks to us about, um, you know, God's great gift to us in, in, in giving us an earth that sustains us and meets our every need and that kind of thing. Um, you know, beyond that, uh, you, you get into the, you know, the, the crossfire of, well, okay, if it's a great gift, then what, what's the best way to redeem that gift? How, how should we use it wisely and steward these, uh, these resources? And ultimately, I concluded after a long career of, you know, starting out with cutting timber with the best of them, that I, I really had a transformation where I became 
a pretty strong environmentalist and, and believe that greed was the operative word that would characterize most of the forest management that I saw and really needed to stop, uh, rethink our whole relationship with forests and the natural world and, and really take a much more humble approach where um, we could actually receive things from the forest, but we, we needed to do it in such a way that it really honored and, uh, and respected the environment and uh, stop simply using it as a, as a tool, you know, to, to extract what we wanted. Um, and I think a lot of people in the United States are, are dealing with that now, particularly, say, with something like climate change, where we realize that forests globally uh, hold the key to about one-third of the climate change solution. And we're seeing forests disappear rapidly in uh, places like the Amazon Basin um, all throughout the world. Uh, they're under great pressure. And, uh, and here we have a chance in the United States to demonstrate some real leadership, which brings us like to the Tongass National Forest and what's, what's going on there today, where a lot of these lands were set aside as roadless in character and were intended to be kept natural and wild. And now there's a proposal to uh, open them up for logging and road building again just seems so counterproductive. And this, uh, this temperate rainforest up in Alaska is one of the great carbon strongholds in, on Earth. Um, it just seems like we're ignoring that basic fundamental fact. Let the Forest Service know what you think about roadless wilderness. You can leave your public comments about the roadless rule on the Forest Department's website until December 17, 2019. I'm Heather McElhatton. And this is A Beautiful World, NPR News. Brought to you with help from the Polad Family Foundation.